What is happening, everybody? Welcome to Off the Rails, a recovery podcast dedicated to ending the stigma of addiction through open discussion on all things recovery related. My name is Mark. And with me always are Dave and Jared. And today we have Nick and Jared's going to tell you more about her. Yeah, so today we are very excited to have a fellow Canadian on the show. She's the founder of Oracle City a sobriety coach, creative artist, and guides people back to their truest self. We're excited to have Nick on the show. Thank you. Nick, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, as, uh, as I was just telling you, uh, we normally get our guests to kind of share their story. So uh, wherever you would like to begin, feel free to jump in and introduce yourself and kind of tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah. How much time do I have? <laughs> That's the real question. <laughs> much as you want. Okay. Okay. So, you know, I think a lot of the stigma around addiction that needs to be broken is the the background narrative for a lot of people. I think that that's a really big part. So, you know, I grew up in a smaller town with my mom and my grandmother in a really safe space. And the way that I was raised was calm and gentle and I was in nature, but circumstances happened to me. My father wasn't around. Um, he was never a really part of my life. That became an identity, an identity realization that someone that was supposed to love me was never there. So it already starts this this question as a child of like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I be loved? Why can't I be accepted? What's wrong with me? Right. We start that narrative. Um, I was sexually abused at the age of five and molested at the age of nine. And, um, you know, my early years of being in high school, a lot of shame and a lot of bullying and moving from home to home and, and a lot of changes that, you know, you create an even deeper narrative and you create even more trauma and, and, and more of a reason to find ways to possibly want to escape. And, you know, throughout high school, I was a pretty good kid and I didn't really dabble in any early drugs or alcohol. But then towards the end of high school, I remember I started drinking and one of the first imprints was the level of confidence that I gained when I was around certain people when I would drink. And I think that that's a really important part of a lot of people's stories is, you know, what was the first memory that you experienced when you first started drinking? Cause we're always going to be chasing that memory. And, you know, started drinking at 17, 18, 19, got into the service industry at a young age, like 21, making hundreds and hundreds of dollars in, um, in service and drinking very, very regularly. And this just became such an identity and a big part of my lifestyle. And, um, I think a big reason that I think it's important to share recovery stories is all the different types of identities. Right. And I lived a really, um, high end luxury life. And I traveled the world and I dated someone really wealthy at a very young age. And that created this different space of life is always meant to be fun. Like life is just supposed to be a party all of the time. And it created this ground level idea of let's party, let's party, let's party, let's have a good time and let's party. And um, I never really found myself in my twenties. I think I was always looking to have fun and I wasn't really focused on any deep career endeavor or any long-term relationship or any life goals or life plans. And I found myself at 28 still serving tables in Banff, Alberta, 
and, you know, making great money, but so empty and so drunk all of the time and, you know, smoking pot regularly and uh, occasional cocaine and broken relationships. And um, at 28, I knew that there was something like wrong. There was something missing. And then I moved home to Toronto and in 29, I really hit this rock bottom place of trying to change my cycles and my patterns and my habits and just had no uh, ability to figure out how to do it on my own. And, you know, I can talk about my programming in the future, but a big reason I started some of my programming was because I couldn't find any voices or any people that story mimicked mine, which was, I was drinking a few times a week and I was inevitably getting drunk and I was using pot every day. And I was, you know, using drugs occasionally, but from the outside looking in, I was functional. You know, I held down a job. I had some savings. I had my own apartment. I had a healthy social life. And I think that that doesn't necessarily classify in the space for people of what addiction and alcoholism really looks like. And I was suffering and there was a lot of shame and guilt and frustration, and I couldn't move forward in my life. And, um, I needed support and I didn't know how or what to find it. And, you know, AA wasn't even something that I considered at that time in my life. So I kind of like hit my rock bottom and found a really great mentor and showed up there after a bender, knowing I had that appointment and did my best to absolutely sabotage it. That's the insidiousness of this disease, um, you know, until 5 a.m. And, and completely denied the fact that I needed help. And somehow, there was this moment of that voice that I'm not sure if many of us have heard, but I know I've heard it and it's, you have to go to that appointment. Like you have to make these changes. You need to show up. Um, and so I did, and that set me forth on my recovery journey. And that was four years ago in the summer of 2018. And I think we're all really clear on the experience of quitting and then picking back up because we're not really sold on what our issues or our problems might be. And, uh, you know, stopped drinking for five months, couldn't quite get off using marijuana and then pick back up in November that year, drank again for another six months, was right back to where I started six months later. And then the wake up call of like, this is all or nothing. And, uh, May 22nd, 2019, I haven't had a drink. So it's been three years, which is recently three years. And uh, yeah, it's been a ride. It's been one of the hardest things I've ever done and also the most rewarding. Um, so yeah, that's my, my story. I think there's probably a lot more in there, but. Nick, I was just curious if you don't mind on the sexual abuse at a young age, was that something um, you talked about or did family know about that and you tried to get counseling at a young age or did that not kind of get healed mm -hmm. until really till you got sober? Yeah. It's interesting, you know, because it actually didn't really surface until the pandemic when I started doing some deeper work. And I, I, I think I had always had these like very vague memories, but I had this belief system that I'd made it up as a child. And that is actually really common for um, victims of sexual abuse is that they believe that they somehow made it up or it's not true or um, it's not like a real thing or that it was their fault. And I was so young, but it was definitely an imprint. And with discovery, you know, with clinical therapy, like a five-year-old can't really make things like that up. So, you know, that was discovered. And then, um, yeah, I, I was sexually assaulted as well at 21, which I was much more conscious for in the event of a drinking experience. 
Um, so yeah, sexual abuse for women is actually one of the higher reasons where addiction and alcohol use is more common. So you said May of 2019, you kind of, you made the, you know, decision. Can you kind of talk about what steps that you made from there into getting sober or what you did kind of on a daily basis? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, so when I decided, um, I guess that first summer, I really hit uh, about a, a really deep bout of depression. So I was pretty low for a few months, which had really affected my finances. And then I decided to move home the beginning of that year, 2019. And to be honest, I was depressed for well over a year. And, um, I remember in the beginning, all I could really do was get myself to a workout class once a day. That was like, number one is like, I just need to move my body. I just need to move my body. Make sure you're make, you're moving your body. Um, and then with movement, I kind of habit stacked movement with meditation and just taking 20 minutes a day and quieting my mind and, um, being with myself and, um, nourishing myself, like doing my best to eat as healthy as I could, but I was like famished by sugar and overeating just because I was like filling a void still, but I would say movement meditation, um, were the biggest pillars in the beginning and therapy once a week. It wasn't until last year, I actually started attending meetings because you start to realize that addiction is a, um, obviously it's a behavioral experience and a toxic relationship ended up mimicking a lot of the same sort of addictive habits. And so I started going to meetings last year, but I didn't really touch meetings for a while. And I really didn't even accept the fact that I was an addict or an alcoholic until I would say last year, this year, like the acceptance piece takes a long time. Um, but yeah, meditation, movement, therapy, those are probably the biggest things and being of service, like helping other people with their own troubles. Is, uh, is breathing a big part for you as well? Which proper, proper breathing. I just, I noticed a couple of times you've, you've kind of like taken a cautious effort to take a good breath. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think, you know, one of the biggest things I've noticed about recovery is mastering our nervous systems is like one of the number one things, right? I think that's why meditation and yoga is such a huge pillar because it's a way to, to calm our anxiety. I think that most, I, I'm not going to speak for anyone else but myself, but I didn't realize how much anxiety I had until I stopped drinking. And that was also probably a big reason I did drink. So yeah, breathing is, it slows me down. It helps me. It reminds me to calm down, pause. Um, but yeah, no breath is everything. I couldn't agree more. That's one of my favorite tools to use. Like whenever I panic or I'm anxious, I just, you know, take a minute and focus on my breathing. Yeah. Have you tried any breath work before? I have. Mm, it's really on the rise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what meetings did you say you go to? Um, so I really love Recovery 2.0, which is, a, I don't know if you know, a gentleman named Tommy Rosen, and he has a platform that does a bunch of open meetings. And I really like their approach because instead of coming to a meeting and claiming, you know, you're an alcoholic, it's more like I'm on a road of recovery and discovery. So, you know, we're always in a state of learning, but we're always in a state of, of making sure we have like strong pillars and foundations to keep ourselves clear. I have gone to some decent women's AA meetings. I think that they can be, 
you know, I think that AA can be a really powerful program when facilitated um, gently, I think is maybe the way to say it, because it is a spiritual program. And I, I really do believe in some of the foundations. You just have to find the right crowd. Um, and there's also another platform for women called Women for Sobriety, and they do a lot of meetings too. So at what point did you um, kind of get into the founding of Oracle City? Yeah, so I was in the coaching space even before I got sober. So I was working with people one-on-one before I even fully took the plunge. And that was kind of what I was like struggling with while working in the service industry and, and trying to get some sort of business off the ground while, you know, still intoxicated and basically high. Um, and many years of coaching one-on-one and then doing workshops for women led me to, um, yeah, starting a business and then a business failing. And then my grandmother who raised me passed away and I took a trip to Mexico, which really sort of inspired a lot of this, this space of trying to connect to spirituality and healing in these really dense populations. Cause you know, Toronto, New York, Chicago, they just, they breed, work hard, play hard. And it can be tough to have a grounded spiritual practice or a grounded space of, uh, this is sacred to me and I can do this and show up for it every day. So I was very inspired by how can I bring things um, to this concrete jungle where people can heal. And it started by um, doing ceremonies and, and workshopping for women monthly. And now it's pretty much bi-weekly. And through that, I started Sober City last year, which is pretty much a women's platform to discover their relationship to alcohol. It's open to the gray area drinker so that they can understand where they're at. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much Oracle city, sober city. I think it's, uh, quite interesting how you go towards the gray area, people, alcoholics and, or whatever. Um, because, that way you can catch it early too and not lose everything. Right. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's so true. And it's, you know, we live in a society that waits for crisis before they do something though. And so, you know, the concept of prevention is it's like working out or it's like, you know, dealing with your finances before it gets really, really bad. For some reason, as human beings, we wait till things are really bad until we make changes So, you know, you have to be self-aware enough to be like, this is a bit of a problem. Let me catch it before it gets worse. And I think that for me, that was the biggest thing I chose to get sober because I was doing blow like once every couple of weeks, but it was turning into a habit and I saw it turning into a habit. And I was like, this is not good because that's a bigger problem. Um, And that was what led me to, to my sobriety. Yeah, I don't know if it if it would just been the drinking, like I'm not sure how much I would have changed, but when the drugs started getting involved, I was like, this isn't good. Absolutely. Nick, can you kind of explain uh, the gray area for the listeners? Yeah, I would say the, a gray area is um, overindulgence, but not chemical dependency. So it's having a lot regularly, but not necessarily needing alcohol every single day. And um I think that's probably in simplest terms. And if you consider a spectrum of like zero 
to 10 is a glass of champagne once a year at a wedding and a hundred is, you know, Jack Daniels at 8am daily, then, you know, 50, 60 is drinking a couple of times a week, inevitably maybe, maybe getting drunk once every couple of weeks or once a month or two, and just feeling really shameful about it or guilty the next day, but able to stop and, um, possibly, you know, do it again. Nick, there, I think there's like a, like from the gray area to you wanting it and then to you need it till you need it mm-hmm. between the want and the need it goes pretty quick yeah I think I did catch it before it was a need I will say that yeah. um, I believe I'm a gray area drinker you know the term alcoholics really tough to accept I think for many of us but the truth is is it didn't matter how many times I went back to it I always ended up in a place of like not liking myself and self-loathing and anger and frustration and pain. So, you know, that tells me that it's just not quite possible. Um, but yeah, the, I wasn't quite at the place where I needed it. I, I don't believe. I like that. Uh, like the, like spectrum you kind of explained, where mm-hmm. would you kind of rank yourself on that? Um, I would say maybe, maybe 60. Oh, okay. 60 to 70. I'm just, I'm thinking about it for myself here and I'll. Yeah. Yeah. How long have (laughs) you been in recovery? Um, So we met in rehab in October. Okay. So um, I'm almost at nine months here now. Cool. So it's kind of a project we started, you know, together once we got out of rehab, we thought it'd be cool to kind of follow our journeys and share with others. Yeah. I was curious too, to go back to, um, you know, the service industry kind of lifestyle. And do you think, I know obviously the service industry lifestyle can be very much drinking and, and drugs involved. Do you think though, no matter what you were doing at that time, where you were at, whatever your work was, you, you know, you probably weren't going to be in a good mind frame and the depression still would have been there. Uh, or do you think if you were, yeah, you know what I mean? Um, I think I know what you mean, just in the sense, like, if I had been maybe living my life differently, could the depression have been there? Is that what you mean? Or? Yeah. Like, let's say you were just working as a lawyer, let's just say whatever, whatever, and not in a service industry, you still would have fell into the, maybe the same habits. Um, Or do you think it had a lot at the time to do with kind of the service industry and not being fulfilled with that? Yeah, you know, I think the service industry was more than just the alcohol that was the addiction. It was like the cash money. It was the nightlife. It was the being able to sleep till 10 or 11 if I wanted to. It was the food. It was the trips that I could easily go on. Like I had no issues with my bills, right? So it it's a whole lifestyle that it was breeding. It meant that when I left, I had to be responsible. I think working in the service industry, there's not much responsibility. And um, I don't know if I was sad that I was out of it or if I was sad because I didn't know how to take care of my life without it. And that was really what was tough, um, you know, I think most of us are clear that when you get into recovery, you have a full identity change. And that's probably one of the toughest parts about it is you're no longer who you've chosen to be for 15 years. And how do you rebuild as a human being who has patterns and habits and deep neural pathways and this way of life and then have to change it with 
you know, suffering and discomfort and anger. And um, so, yeah, I think, I think that if I had maybe chosen a different path, it could have been different because there was so much alcohol involved in the work that I was doing that it breeded addiction. I, I don't know if it would have been different um, based on my life choices. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. I just, I just always think like for myself, I'll, for me, a lot of times what I was doing was just like, well, if I move, you know, I'll be happier. If I move back home, things right. are different. I always kind of still was never there until I finally quit drinking. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I could deal with the depression and the anxiety, you know, mm-hmm. a lot better, obviously. But. Yeah, I do believe. And, you know, that's such a common thing for, for most of us is if I go somewhere else, I'll feel better. Right. And that's just not the truth. You know, wherever you are, there you are. Um, and it may feel fresh and exciting for the first few months, but the truth of your soul means that you need healing. And it doesn't matter if you're on a beach or you're in the heart of the city. I think environment does support us in certain ways. I think that there are places that are maybe more supportive, um, but our core identity needs work before we decide that we want to be somewhere else. Nick, I would like to kind of learn a bit more about Sober City and mm-hmm. how you know people could get in touch with you or or kind of, I don't know where I'm going with this at all, but like just find out more about it really. Yeah. So uh, you can go to oraclecity.ca and there's a whole page called Sober City. I also have a podcast, but it's more of a lunar lifestyle podcast through my sobriety. I've, I've leaned into a lot of astrology work and on that podcast, there are some, what is called Sober City sound bites, and you can hear some of my clients' stories on there. Um, and then Oracle city, Toronto, my Instagram handle has a little bit sprinkled in there, but yeah, I would say oraclecity.ca and just click the sober city link. Awesome. I was, I was interested a little bit more, if you could touch on the, you know, I can't remember the lunar, like that whole, that whole, uh, you know, how did you fall into that? And, 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 um, you know, I don't know, just share a little bit about that. Yeah, I've always been sort of fascinated by astrology as a creative and artist at heart. I find it really just cool and different. Um, when are your birthdays? I'm curious, actually. November 22nd. Okay, we got a Zag. I'm like on the cusp. Depends, though. Like, yeah, you are. Scorpio. I'm, I'm sure I usually take whichever horoscope is better. But <laughs> December 14th. It's another Zag. March 8th. And a Pisces. Okay, cool. So yeah, astrology has always been something that I'm really interested in and have paid attention to it for years. And then, um, I don't know, I was always just kind of curious about the moon. It was just always something that I felt like whenever there was a full moon, I felt like I always felt it. And then I kind of got into doing sort of some gatherings with friends and I sing and I've studied Sanskrit. Like I love to do chanting work with meditation and whatnot. Um, so friends and I would get together at their apartments and we would have these like small little ceremonies. And if you know anything about astrology, Capricorns, which is what I am, is the business sign of the Zodiac. And I just saw such a huge opportunity for women to get together and do this. And so we started doing like full moon ceremonies in the city with sound bath meditations and breath work and yoga and all of these things. And there was just a demand, especially during the pandemic when people needed like sacred space. Um, And so we would fill rooms every two weeks, all of last year. And it just kept rolling and um, it is, it's really quite interesting and, and a, 
I think a magical tool for transformation. I think when I'm like really in the shits, I'm not always like turning to the moon. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it gives a sense of faith and something to look forward to and it's creative and that's why I enjoy it. I think that's awesome. I was, I was reading something that you had posted. It was about, um, on a full moon, how you reset. Yeah. 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 A lot of release. It's like a huge opportunity for release and letting go and forgiveness and, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, if anyone's into that, they should check that out too. On your yeah, website. yeah. There's a lot more of that I find on my page. Yeah. Do you incorporate that into uh, the recovery with like the people that come to you at first, or is it more yeah. just you know, if, they, I, if they want to learn it? I find like people it's, and this is a big thing about my business that I'm in a place of, it is a symbiotic relationship, right? Like I'm sure all of you are getting clear that the longer you're sober, you might be leaning into more things that feel spiritual to you, right? Like, cause we're looking for something. Um, so I've had people come to ceremony and are interested in sober city. And I've had people in sober city that have come to ceremony and I'm doing my best to try and create this, uh, hub where it's like, I think it's going to be in the direction of if you want to work on clarity and sobriety, you also get spirituality and wellness and, and sort of the, the tentacles that come from a life that's like clear and free. Cool. Amazing. I like it. Nick, thank you so much for joining us yeah. today. Um, is there anything else you would like to kind of touch on or, or talk about? No, I really appreciate connecting with all of you. I would just say anyone listening, go to oraclecity.ca and, and check out the things that I'm doing. And if you feel drawn, then, you know, trust your intuition and come check me out. Absolutely. Thank you again well, so much for joining us. Yeah, thank yes, you. Yes, thank you. All right, guys, if you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, please reach out and ask for help. Thank you so much for listening. And Nick, thanks again for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you for everything that you do. Thank you. Thank you.